Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And joining me today is Dr. Lily De Hoyos Anderson. I am so thrilled to have you with me here today, Lily, because I've been hunting you down ever since I heard you as a guest on another podcast. A mutual friend of ours, Hank Smith, runs a little podcast where he discusses mostly spiritual, um, religious themes. And you said some things in the interview that he had with you that really caught my attention. Now, for our audience, before we jump into that, uh, you've got a background both in academics uh, as well as clinical work. You've got a private practice now where... You do a lot of the same things that I do, really, mm-hmm. having conversations with people that help to connect them to principles that will improve their relationships, their mental health, their life. Very true. And, uh, That's, what we That's what we hope for. But can I just add that yeah. one of my best credentials is that I had eight kids in 12 years. And ah! <laughs> four boys and four girls. I've never really been that wow. at most things, but uh, we evened out on the boys and girls and um, made the bedroom sharing a little easier. At any rate, um, I have a wonderful husband who's also a social worker, by the way. But um, and our kids wonder, you know, why why were we sent into a home with two social workers for parents? Yeah, what's <laughs> what the, that mean about us? support groups for people <laughs> like that? <laughs> exactly. So anyway, they're great kids and they're all grown now. And uh, six of them are married and we have 36 grandchildren. <laughs> and our, wow. our cup truly runneth over. And it was really the experience on the ground, so to speak, you know, in the trenches that I felt like I really, really was able to learn from. And I'm so grateful for that time because um, I had wonderful parents myself, both sociologists, you know, really fabulous people from other countries who would come and gave us a great life. But um, frankly, my mother was not a great disciplinarian. (laughs) So, Mm. um, you know, I was a pretty compliant child. um, That wasn't the case with every sibling. But um, and and we talked about it because my mother really was great about sharing with her children. And Mm -hmm. and so when I went into my own uh, family and I wasn't expecting to have eight children, I mean, I get where they come from. But honestly, my husband had one sister and I had two. So we didn't come from big families and we didn't have that experience. So, you know, when the kids started to come, you know, fast and furious and we loved it. I mean, I was healthy. You know, my husband was so incredibly supportive. It just worked really well for us. But I was very, very focused on wanting to be a good parent and give them an optimal opportunity, you know, in growing up to be yes. like human beings. And so that was a focus long before I ever went back and did graduate school, which was you know almost 20 years later. So that really mm. is a big part of my credential, I would say, is the sort of on the ground experience. I am so glad you mentioned that because I can I can relate. I went, th- I went through the 21st grade at BYU, and you're familiar with that institution. Absolutely. Um, I got my PhD in clinical psychology, and I learned a lot in, in my academics, but, you know, I have learned the most 
with boots on the ground. Exactly. Exactly. The rubber has to hit the road at some point. And that's where you really find out what works and, and what doesn't, what works better. You know, anyway, it's an ongoing issue. And I realize that there are no, you know, perfect formulas that can be applied wholesale to everybody, but there are definitely positive principles that emerge. And those principles yes. are powerful and they really do get us to you know, positive results. We're in a world where so many parents in general, women in particular, you know, that are at home full time with their children end up struggling with depression. And I think a lot of it is because their children are overwhelming to them. They don't really know what to do. I mean, they're beautiful and, and precious when they come. And then they you find out they've got opinions and attitudes of their own. <laughs> You know, that's that's the rub. So it's it's very challenging to and then to orient toward, you know, each of their needs because they're different and so on. I mean, I remember hearing a joke once that said, you know, all you ever hear about parenting is, you know, you have to be consistent. It's so important to be consistent. But how can you be consistent? They never do the same thing twice. You know, so <laughs> you know, those are the kinds of things that, you know, really, really can stymie people. And I'm afraid that sadly, a lot of our, our mothers out there do become seriously overwhelmed. They they may love their children, but they don't like them. And that's yes. really a tragedy. And, and it's not a formula for anybody's positive outcome. Um, not, not optimally right. at least. Well, the, the challenge that comes with parenting doesn't necessarily come with uh, an instruction book. It, it's not something we typically get a lot of training about in school. I would agree. I would agree. I think that we're sadly lacking in that area. And I think that many of the examples in the world around us um, are, are pretty lousy examples. Yeah. <laughs> they tend to be incredibly permissive, which um, really backfires, even though, of course, uh, showing a lot of love is a great thing and being supportive and giving opportunities to our children. All of those things can be really important, but without some kind of structured ability to deal with their pushback, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people flounder and and a lot of conflict can emerge or just um, resignation and, and kind of giving up. Right. You know, I've been on a little bit of a journey since I heard you as a guest on another podcast. And you said, well, OK, I'll qualify it. I heard. <laughs> and then maybe Fair you enough. can clarify what you said. Fair enough. Uh, but what I heard was something along the lines of the ultimate beneficiary of, of positive good parenting is actually the parent. And, and I've often thought, you know, there's not, there's not a good course in parenting, you know, especially in the elementary and primary school levels. You get into graduate school and, you know, there's some, some other opportunities available. Um, but really there's not a lot of training that happens. And, and the course that I've been on since I, I, I heard that idea mm -hmm. was maybe parenting is the course. I, I like the way you put that, that parenting is the course. Um, as I, as I usually put that, I, what I say is um, that the product of parenting is not the child. It's the parent. That's, you know, the uh, yes. I phrase that. but it's, you know, you're really catching the gist of it, obviously in what you, you heard. And yes. the reason I say that is because, you know, children are influenced by a number of variables. In fact, we can't count all the variables that affect how a child turns out. 
and how they, be, what kind of adult they become. Um, right. You know, of course, they come with a certain personality, and it can be very different from their siblings' personalities. They also have different levels of compliance or defiance. There's a whole spectrum there, and they come anywhere on that. You know, then they're also influenced by other people, although I will say that parents have a lot of influence if they work it right. But nevertheless, you know, there are teachers and friends and a broader broader world. You know, of course, there are other experiences that they have. It, it could be stresses or traumas or positive experiences that are going to impact them or affect them. And how they respond to each of those things is going to be idiosyncratic. How they respond to us as parents is idiosyncratic. I mean, studies tell us that even, you know, some babies bond more easily. Some are more cuddly. Some like to be held. Some don't. You know, some are stiffer. Anyway, there are all kinds of interesting things that we've learned about, you know, those early stages of development. And it goes on in terms of the different ways that children react to the stimuli that they receive. So, so right. you know, with, if the parent is looking strictly at like what my child does on, and how, what kind of adult they turn out to be, there's really a lot of heartbreak that can come. And people so often then judge themselves as, as a parent based on those outcomes. And if they do have a child that struggles or, you know, gets into drugs or gets into promiscuous sex or whatever it is, you know, drops out of school, struggles in their own lives, you know, so often parents really feel sad. In fact, let me just throw this in. Um, I heard it mm -hmm. from a client many years ago for the first time. Since then, I've heard it repeated you know, in several different settings, but it was a client in my office one time, a mother who had um, a teenage daughter who was pretty heavily into drugs. And she said, you know, you know how they say that a mother is only as happy as her least happy child. And I had not heard that before, like mm. I said, and I've heard it many times. And, you know, as a mother, to be honest, I, I kind of had a resonance with that for a moment. And right. then I rejected it. Then I rejected it. And I, <laughs> I did, because I said, that's not healthy. That is not healthy. There are too many variables right. that are involved in the outcome of a child and the choices that they make. And, and I'm not suggesting that parents don't take responsibility for what parents do. That I should be responsible for. If I'm abusive, shame on me. And I should right. really correct that behavior quickly, because, yes, that's going to impact my child in harmful ways. If I'm if I'm addicted myself or if I'm, you know, sarcastic or cruel or ignoring them all the time, I'm neglectful or or whatever, you know, yes, I need to own that. And that is the product I'm trying to work for is to become a better parent myself. Of course, that challenge goes on because as your children grow up, you know, I talk to a lot of parents about the transition from having children at home to having adult you know, children. Oh, yeah. And how you need to be a different kind of parent at that point. And, you know, the yeah. job description changes dramatically. So anyway, this is an ongoing, you know, journey for us. But I can only be responsible for what I can control. And if I try to be responsible for the outcomes that my child ends up choosing, you know, I could I could be a basket case. <laughs> and that's not going to help anybody. And I'm not right. going to be a great parent for my child if I'm so caught up in, you know, what they do every moment. You know, they misbehave in school. And if I fall apart, you know, kind of like that woman who was saying, you know, you're only as happy as your least happy child, then, you know, how can you help? How can you help if you fall apart because your child you know, does something inappropriate. Right. There's another element to this too, that I think is important to acknowledge because if you're only as happy as your least happy child, that's a huge burden of responsibility to that least happy child. 
Well, it absolutely is. And it's a real burden to the other children. Can we just stop for a minute and think about them? You know, and we've seen this. In fact, there are studies that are done about, um, you know, families with handicapped children, you know, disabled children, and sometimes, you know, in an effort to, to help that child. And, you know, it's hard to find these balances. I'm not saying any of this is easy. I'm just saying that there are some studies that show that other children can sometimes feel really neglected because the parents have to put so much focus on a child with special needs. Right. And, you know, there are ways to balance that. There are ways that that can turn into some growth potential and so on. If we frame it right, if we include the children, talk to them, you know, hear them out, you know, and try to try to find a balance in there. It can be a very successful outcome for everybody. But the same thing can happen if there's a troubled child, you know, where there's one child that acts up a lot or gets in trouble at school or gets in trouble in other settings. And the parents are so focused on that. The other children can sometimes feel, well, what about me? Do I not mm -hmm. get any attention? And then my parents are always unhappy by the time they get to me. Anyway, it's just not, it's not a good system. The system is like, look, yeah. I can do what I can do. I, there are principles that can, are very likely to yield more positive outcomes, but we have to allow for all those other variables and not get so caught up in, in how our child behaves that we lose it as a parent and we right. don't grow into our own potential or, you know, be able to, to really give the best possible help to that child as well as to any other children we may have. Yes. I love as we're unpacking this topic, what it can reveal to us as parents and what our responsibility, what our true job is. As we come back from this break, Lily, I'd love to dig into that a little bit further as we continue this conversation. Folks, this is Lily DeHoyos-Anderson at Live On Purpose Radio. We will be right back. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now, I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me, drpauljenkins.com. And we're back. Dr. Lily DeHoyos Anderson at Live On Purpose Radio today. I love the feel of that name. It just rolls, you know? Yeah, thank you. It's a nice name. My dad was Mexican and my mother was French. And, uh, you know, we have a rich heritage on both sides. Both of them came to this country basically with nothing but widowed mothers. And they worked really hard. Wow. My, my mother got my father got three college degrees in his second language. My mother got three college degrees in her third language. They were amazing people. <laughs> what a legacy. It's a great that, legacy. Is, that is awesome. Uh, I'm still really intrigued with this idea that I've really come to embrace just in the last several weeks um, since the idea was planted in my head that parenting is essential. I mean, good parenting is essential for kids, 
We'll acknowledge that. And you and I both have a lot of experience in coaching parents about structure and routines and, and methods and philosophies. But really, I think it's the best personal development program that you could ever enroll in. Well, I so agree with that. I, I really, um, I remember when I would, you know, run errands with my children and maybe somewhere in school, but I always had a bunch of preschoolers, you know, so I would often have four or five little kids with me as I went to the grocery store or whatever. And, I, you know, it was kind of interesting how often people at the checkout counter would comment on how many kids I had. And they would say, you know, are those all yours? And my answer was like, no, I have more. <laughs> and they would ask, <laughs> and they would ask uh, well, how many? And I would say eight. And their next comment was almost always this one, which was fascinating to me. But almost always, the very next thing out of their mouths was, you must be so patient. And my answer was always, well, not yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I've got lots of practice opportunities right. on a daily day basis. Day by day, moment by moment. And that is exactly what I was learning was that like, no, this is about what I can become. And of course, if I become better, that's a huge blessing to my children too. But I can only control what I can control, which is me. So I can become more patient. I can be more kind. I can you know, handle my temper better so that it doesn't explode and do damage. You know, I can make sure I don't say that sarcastic thing. I can, I can be less critical, hopefully eliminating that along the way. Anyway, in all those areas. And it was interesting to me too, because I married, I married a wonderful man. I would not have had eight children if I didn't have somebody who was <laughs> so supportive, jumped in and did whatever was required, whenever it was required. But at any rate, you know, Chris was, was absolutely wonderful, but um, you know, it was, it was, Interesting to me that as much as I loved my husband and was willing to, you know, try to be a good wife, a good partner, that there was a different kind of love that came with parenting. We, we can we know that when we're parents yes. and that different love was motivating at a different level. And I remember even thinking about it kind of like, yes, I'm certainly willing to make sacrifices and, you know, make changes for my husband. But I'm even more motivated to make those changes for my children because, you know, Chris kind of came into this with his eyes open. <laughs> so he, he chose in. He chose in. But the children, <laughs> you, know, you know, whatever we believe about, you know, pre-earth choice or whatever, it seemed, you know, in an earthly sense that here they are because of our choice and and uh -huh. they're kind of stuck with what we are. And I thought, you know, I need to be as as fair about that as I can be. And I was even more motivated to change for my children than for my marriage, which may sound terrible, but I hope it doesn't because I was motivated in my marriage. This was a different level, you know, and I kept thinking sometimes I, you know, how we get so frustrated with kids. And sometimes I would kind of feel, and I didn't vocalize it. I'm happy to say, but I would feel like saying, you know, just grow up. And then it was like, I'd hear this cosmic echo saying, Lily, grow up. Uh. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. My turn first, you know, right. Yes, a parent to shove from behind, you know, you need to be more mature, even though I'm being immature, you need to be more patient, even though I, it's yeah. just work. you have to lead from, you know, from the big front. So I could see that I needed to grow up first, I needed to, you know, have a better harness on my emotions and on my responses and, and to become, you know, just kinder, more benevolent, more wise. In fact, wisdom is a huge issue to me. From the time I was a very little girl, 
my dad would tell Bible stories in the car and I heard about Solomon and I wanted to be wise. And boy, being a parent is such a, a challenge in that area. Can I be wise? Can I under, you know, listen with understanding and try to understand what the real salient elements are here that are involved with this child's problem or with this altercation between my children so that I can handle this with wisdom. And it gave me opportunities to develop those capacities in a way that like, honestly, graduate school was nothing to it. I went back to school and I was like, gosh, it's the easiest work I've ever done. <laughs> Compared to the one I've been through. Compared with what I've been through. It was this one, like you said, just on the job training. I mean, it's this amazing personal development program. And I loved it. It was, it was stretching. I'm not saying yes. I was perfect. Nobody's perfect at it, but but I got so much better. I learned right. so much from trying to do the best I could by my children. And when I say best, can I just say best is kind of a ephemeral. I don't know what that even really means, but I just was, I like the word diligent. My husband actually uses that word. He says best can really you know, fall into that perfectionist problem kind of stuff. But he says, if we're just mm. like diligent, you know, if we're willing to continue and keep making those efforts, we do get better. It, we're out of our comfort zone. We all know this, right? That in our comfort zone, there's no growth. It, right. children, children can push you out of that comfort zone in a heartbeat. And then we have a chance to practice these new ways or these better ways or get better at the ways we know. And eventually, you know, we kind of are able to colonize that new territory, that new strength, that new issue. I, I did become a ton more patient. I'm a patient yes. person in a way that I certainly wasn't. And, you know, I thought I was when I was single. <laughs> oh, I, I remember how patient I was before I had kids. Well, we, we're all very nice people when we're single. Mm. <laughs> then you get married and wow. And then you have children. Oh, huh. oh wow. Here we go. <laughs> so well, there's the with, with that acknowledgement, I, and I, I resonate so much with what you're saying because I've, my own experience matches that the experience of the parents that I've worked with over almost three decades now of clinical work and, and experience with families. It's really true. Uh, and still, as parents, I think, let, let me just run this by you. And I know we don't have time to get into absolutely everything that we sure. could talk about today. But um, I tell uh, a lot of the parents that I work with that their job as a parent, and it, what is your job? Well, we, I get a lot of answers for that. It's to make sure that they're good, productive citizens. It's to make sure that they do their homework, make sure that they do their chores, make sure that they make sure that they make sure that they. That's right. Which is where we get stuck as parents, because we suck at that. <laughs> but our, I, th I think our actual job is to love them no matter what and even if. And that when we when we focus on that job, then there's structure that we can impose. There's, there's strategies that we can employ, but it's not for the purpose of making sure that they anything. That's true. Because again, that's the focus on the wrong outcome. That's as if I had control or ultimate control if, over right. what those children are going to do or become. And I don't, but I can. And I like to think of it as, you know, provide an optimal opportunity for them to grow into these you know, positive outcomes. So that's my job, but then I can do that. I can, I can focus on myself and how I can provide those optimal opportunities. And of right. course, certainly don't disagree with the love. It has to start there. 
when I taught at BYU for several years after my doctorate, um, the kids would ask sometimes, which is most important, love or structure, you know, love or, or discipline. Mm. And the way I teach parenting, I would say, well, honestly, you have to have both if you really want optimal outcomes. Um, and then they would just, you know, kind of accept that. And I said, no, don't let me get away with that push, you know, <laughs> push me a little harder. <laughs> say, okay, if you could only have one, and I'd say love, it, ha it has to start with love. I yeah. mean, you know, there's nothing else that gives us any kind of potential to really touch people. Um, even, you know, you know, as a, as a counselor, um, and I've said this many times to, you know, family, friends, whatever, and my clients themselves, I say, you know, if you don't love people, you can't help. You, you have to love people or you can't help. But, um, you know, if you take ownership for everything they do, you can't help either. Right. That we detach from those outcomes. That's right. We have to because it's somebody else's life. And I have to respect that and honor that. And if I try to take that on my, my own back, you know, I'm going to be crippled. There's no way I can continue to be a resource. Right. And I think the same is true with parents. They keep trying to define themselves by the, the choices or behaviors of their children. You know, it's crippling. Crippling. And as, as we commented earlier, it creates an undue burden on the children because now the children are responsible for the parents happiness mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's really really unfair we call that parentification right where the yeah. child has to become like the parent and take care of the parent because the parent's so sad or the parent's devastated and really unhealthy dynamic there right you've spent some time creating systems and structures or, or assisting parents to do this mm -hmm. we're not minimizing the importance of structure by saying your primary job is love. Right. In fact, if you just, if it's just love with no structure, your kids get a little goofy in that setting too. And sometimes really just turn into, you know, thugs. <laughs> yes. Or entitled little. Yeah. Which you see a whatever. lot in the world right now. <laughs> so it's okay to set those limits. In fact, that's part of your responsibility as a parent, keeping in mind what your main job is and detaching enough from the outcomes that you don't bring that back and beat yourself up right. for whatever choices your kids are making. Right. Obviously, you know, we could get into a lot of detail around that. Um, that's, that's true. And it, and it is the source or, you know, the substance of endless conversations and lessons because there are lots right. of aspects of it. But one thing that I would say, because Again, so many of the unhappy parents that, you know, come in for help that I see or that I, you know, just observe or talk to, you know, that's really what's missing. They, they have the love, but then ironically, they don't like the way their children behave. So, you know, to, to not like them is it, it's kind of a betrayal too, because yeah. you know, then, then we just, I mean, I've seen this so many times. I actually heard a woman kind of presenting a lesson a month or two ago on parenting and uh, uh -huh. she's not super equipped. She was not a professional or anything. And that doesn't mean she didn't have ideas, but you know, at one point she said, um, okay, the comment was made in the class that, um, you know, we need to help them learn to control themselves, to have some self-discipline, you know, delayed gratification, things like that, which are wonderful predictors of success for children. And she right. said, she said, but I don't, what can I do at home? She said, I mean, I just expect preschool and athletic coaches to do that. <laughs> and I was like, 
oh, oh my heavens. Oh, my heavens. Are we really turning over, you know, the civilization of our children to preschool teachers and coaches? Not that they can't be a positive influence, but heaven forbid we should think that, you know, that's going to take care of them. And I don't really have anything to do at home because it really is at home that we have the greatest ability to do that. And it all it all depends on costs and payoffs. You know, children frankly, every single human being, you know, including me, including you, including all of our listeners, we're all motivated by costs and payoffs. Every behavior has payoffs and it has costs. And if the payoffs exceed the costs, the behavior will continue. Now, those payoffs could be delayed. And in fact, delayed gratification, as I said, is a great predictor of success, you know, reference the marshmallow study at Stanford and all that. But, um, but Every behavior also has a few costs. And if the costs tend to be low, you know, and the payoff high, the behavior will continue. But if the cost is high and the payoff is low, the behavior will stop. And that is true of every human being. Now, the trouble is parents, you know, think that if I'm loving, I'm not going to impose costs or they think that can be mean or harsh. And maybe the neighbor's not doing it. And most neighbors aren't doing it these days because we're a very permissive society as far as parenting goes, which hasn't had the best results. But at any rate, um, you know, we can manipulate those costs. It's easiest when they're young, but even at older ages, you know, people will say, what can I do with my 16 year old? And I'm like, well, are they driving a car? Yeah. Whose car? You know, do they have a cell phone? Who pays for that? I mean, really? Like you've got levers at every level. It's easier when yes. they're level. And some kids are going to be stubborn, but you know, yeah, one of the things I learned as a parent is you have to be more stubborn than the kid, not in a power <laughs> play way, but just no. in a, you know, firm, I'm not going to yield on this because I love you. I know it's better. In fact, sometimes my older children, you know, if there was something that came up and by then, honestly, they were really wonderful and civilized kids. But, um, you know, once in a while something comes up and they're like, really, can't I do this or whatever? And I'd say, hey, Let's review. Whose side am I on? And they knew because I did love it. They'd say, yeah, you're right. You're on my side. I know. And I'd say, that's right. I could sit back and let you turn into a jerk, but not on my watch. Not on my watch. Not, not today. On my watch. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> because I love you. So it's we owe it to our children to to use those costs and payoffs. And again, it's nothing physically harsh. It's nothing, you know, demeaning. Those things are out of bounds for parents. They should right. be out of bounds. We need to manage ourselves and become better people than that. So we don't resort to those kinds of destructive responses. Those aren't the costs I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that we manage all the resources, you know. We provide these things. We can manipulate them appropriately to increase the cost. Um, I used to teach an early morning seminary class for the Latter-day Saint Church, for the uh, Church of Jesus Christ. And I, um, every, there were the juniors and those were driving kids. And every Uh year there'd be somebody that would come in and say, oh, my parents took my car. And I'd say, and I never said that's too bad because I'm thinking, hey, maybe this parent is making an effort to try to, Mm -hmm. you know, generate some positive behavior. And I'd say, well, what happened? And they would say, well, my grades weren't good enough. So I can't have the car keys for all. And I'd say, oh, oh. And again, I'm not going to say that's too bad because good for those parents to try to at least generate some motivation here. Right. Right. I would say, well, how does that work? Do you have to wait till the next report card, which is, you know, several weeks away? Or, you know, how do you get those grades up and get your car keys back? (laughs) Paul, I swear, every time this is what they said, (laughs) they would say, say, oh, I don't have to do that. After two or three days of bringing me to early morning seminary, they give me the keys back. (laughs) (laughs) The big reveal. Oh, my goodness. I said, I I wish your parents could hear you right now. You so have their number. 
because because you're more stubborn than your parents are and they don't want to have to pay the consequence. This is the key, Paul. Every time we one. every time we impose a consequence on our child, we impose a consequence on ourselves. So buckle up. Right. And if you're not willing to pay that consequence, your kid ends up, you know, not having a, a deterrent to the to the behavior. So like here we hear things like this. I hear this. I've heard this many times. You know, Johnny's biting Susie. And you're like, oh, okay. well, what do you do about that? Well, I put him in timeout. Oh, well, so is he biting Susie? Yes, he's still biting Susie, but I put him in timeout every time. (laughs) I'm like, okay, (laughs) who's being trained here? You know, the parent is being trained, but you're not accomplishing what you want. You need to up the price. Timeout is obviously not a disincentive that's sufficient to change the behavior. So parents should be looking at that. If I'm not getting the behavior I want, I need to up the cost. And, and we can mm-hmm. have costs. We control all the resources. That said, again, cannot be abusive. It cannot be demeaning. It's not about being physically you know, punitive or harsh. It's not about that. It's just controlling the resources. We control all of them. Right. Oh, love, love, love it. Because you're, you're speaking the truth here. And there are so many things. I'm guessing that many of you listeners are going to want a little more of what you're hearing here today. Lily, you've got a podcast. You've got a website. Where, where would you send people to connect with you best? Well, the, the podcast is called Choosing Glory, and it's available on all the regular platforms. And I'd love people to take a try at that and see if they if they would like to listen. Also, I do have a website, lilyanderson.com. Now, I have to apologize. It's ancient and it looks ancient, but it still functions. You, there's even a contact page on the website that works. Um, it is in the course of being redone as we speak. So it'll have a face. Hey, it's kind of like us as parents. We're in the constant revision. <laughs> That's right. The this upgrade been, process. This has been neglected for a long time, but it's, <laughs> it's finally getting upgraded. So yeah, they okay, can so the, find me. So the podcast is Choosing Glory, and that's a fairly new podcast yes. that you're oh, offering the world. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, and and again, the website, Lily, L-I-L-I, Anderson.com. And even though it's dated, it's still functional, and you can still connect fun. with Lily that way. Lily, thank you so much for joining us here today at Live On Purpose Radio. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Folks, you've probably picked up a number of ideas that you could apply immediately. It's time for all of us now to go live on purpose. Mm